0: Good morning, Calvary Church. Good to see you. Thanks for joining in. And uh, I'm going to edit uh, a little extra that I wasn't going to say, but I want to thank all of our tech people. I know it's been a rough morning, so we're thankful for our staff, for our volunteers who helped make these things possible. So we're grateful for that. It's been a, it's been a crazy year, and it's just uh, fitting that here we go again with some bumps in the road that we didn't expect, but people working hard to make the best of the situation. So we're glad that you're here. We're glad that we're able to communicate to you in this way. Uh, We know life has been difficult for a lot of folks. You know, this COVID thing is crazy. Uh, Just to be open with you, I was uh, working on an outside project from Calvary Church and uh, with another coworker and uh, the individual that we were working with, Uh, Turns out was COVID positive and uh, before we left each other he says I'm a hugger and so we hugged and so he's having symptoms of COVID and he has positive test results of COVID and here I am wonderfully getting a beautiful hug from him. I didn't know I was that huggable actually. And so I've been in quarantine, I'm actually in quarantine now. There's nobody in this room. Everybody's keeping 600 feet from me. And uh, I think Governor Newsom is actually gonna pass a law that when people like me come into a room, we have to yell out, unclean. And so it's just kind of a new world that we're living in with all these uh, new features, disruptions. This, this is annoying for me. My coworker actually came down with the COVID and is recovering from that as well. So it's it's some challenging times, and that's why this passage is important to us today. We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, As we've been going through the book of Hebrews, we're seeing that these are a group of people that should have been growing in their faith, they're wandering in their faith, they're not solid in their faith, and then uh, the author of Hebrews challenges them in their maybe lack of faith or their wavering faith to help them to be able to grow and to be more productive, and uh, this passage is really all about Moses And how I see God helping Moses to grow in his own personal faith. Because like all of us, he had his weak points. But God was going to bless him and make it possible for him to grow. Let me read the passage. I encourage you to have Bibles in hand as well. Hebrews 11, verse 23. It picks up on a number of people in the uh, Old Testament times. And here we come to Moses. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. They were in Egypt and Pharaoh was the dictator at that time, a tyrant ruling over them. And by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter because Pharaoh's daughter had plucked him out of the uh, little water that he was floating in, that his mother had placed him in, and choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king or Pharaoh, for he endured as seeing him who was unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that if he was destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land, And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Then they entered the promised land without Moses, but the people did, led by Joshua. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And so the author here is assuming we have a lot of knowledge about that time. And I want to fill in some of the blanks on that as we go through it. But I wanna highlight what I love about this. A great theologian once said this, clarity about God's work in our future is better understood by learning from his work in the past. So Hebrews 11 is sort of that attempt to help us to learn from how God worked in the past so that our clarity about what God wants to do in your life and my life, we can have better understanding about that moving forward. And in Moses' life, what I see is a progression of faith. And I want to lay out sort of the tracks of that journey that Moses was in because I think it's important for us to follow that, to be part of that kind of a lifestyle. No matter where we begin, we can jump into that journey that Moses was on. And the journey that Moses began when he was three months old, it's a faith that is found in a family of faith. And I think a lot of us already know this. That how important it is that we build into our children, those of us who are blessed with children, a foundation of faith. The verse says this, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Here's a family of faith that says we're not being dictated to by how man rules over us because we know we have our eyes on someone who is higher than that. God is in control. God is sovereign. God is going to provide for our baby. We're going to put him in the bulrushes as we sing that song. And we're going to trust that God is going to rule over his life as well. And he did from the very beginning. But I love that image of a family that says we're a family of faith trusting in the Lord. And I love that uh, also that little phrase because they saw that he was a beautiful child. Well, who, who doesn't have a baby and think that their own baby is a beautiful child? And I thought long and hard, how can I, where can I get a picture of a beautiful baby that maybe can help portray sort of the, the age of Moses in those early months of his life so that we can kind of have a mental picture of a beautiful child? I thought long and hard and just randomly came up with this picture here. Uh, this is actually, as it turns out, is my granddaughter, Camille. And here she is, about four or five months of age. And I think that she is a beautiful child. I'm sorry. Don't you just want to pause for a moment and you just want to just hug her? She's a beautiful. This is the baby Moses. This is how those parents felt about a little baby like this. It's just so precious. And so I'm going to build on that for a moment. But look, notice as the progression of the passage goes on. It's a faith that is the foundation of the family. And we need to lay those tracks for our children. And, and let me just add this, that, that not all of us grew up in families of faith. Not all of us had that foundation. And my heart goes out, my prayers would go out to those that I know that have not had that fortune as well. But let me also add that if you didn't grow up on a foundation of faith, maybe today is the day to say, Lord, I'm going to start building that foundation. Whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're a grandparent, that you're going to begin to build that foundation for your life and for the lives of those around you. Because that's where Moses began. And there's never a time where it's too late to begin that journey of faith. And we'll talk more about that as we move forward. As Moses grew up, He then made a decision. He made a decision to serve Jesus Christ. He didn't call it Christ. It's not mentioned in the passage. But there is this beautiful image of someone who was unseen that is really controlling Moses' life. And he has this heart of faith for the things that he cannot see. The passage says this. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he becomes an adult. He needs to personalize that faith and make it his own. It's no longer what his parents gave to him. It's what he chooses to do. So as an adult, he made a conscious dedication to follow Jehovah God, Yahweh, as he might have been known in those days. So he says, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, even though he grew up in Pharaoh's court, was well-educated by Pharaoh's household. So he had many benefits that were really a luxury in that part of the world for a Jewish person. So he grew up in Pharaoh's daughter's house, and then I love this, he chose, choosing rather to endure ill treatment. There comes a time in our lives as an adult where we make this conscious choice to say, Lord, I'm going to serve you, and it may cost me. So he endures ill treatment with the people of God, and that is to enjoy, that, and then to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He's going to follow Yahweh rather than the passing pleasures of sin. Say that two times. Considering the reproach of Christ. Now Christ wasn't there. But the Hebrew author says, you know, Jesus is in the Old Testament. He is all over the Old Testament. He is someone who is present with them even if they can't articulate it or see him the way we know him today from the New Testament. But Jesus was there. And Moses had a faith in someone he could not see. He considered the reproach of Christ, the sacrifice, the punishment of Jesus, he considered that a greater rich than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. He's looking for beyond. Abraham was the same way, looking for a city that he never really occupied. All of Hebrews 11 is looking for something that we don't even realize here because God says there's something greater for you. And so it just reminds me how important it is that as families, we have a foundation of faith, and as an adults, we have a commitment to faith, and how that can really, really direct our lives. I remember uh, earlier in my ministry years, having a premarital counseling with a couple who were in their 20s, young 20s, professional people. Uh, and as we talked about sort of their lives and helping make sure, as best you can, a premarital counseling, uh, to help them become a good married couple, um, I talked a little bit about, to the uh, wife-to-be about her family. Tell me about your family of origin. What are those things that you remember? And when I asked her that question, she just broke down in tears. She began to sob. I was kind of taken back. And so as she finally collected herself, she shared, the thing that I remember about my parents is the day when she was probably about four, or three or four, standing in the doorway of their house, watching her father leave their family as her mom and her dad separated and then lost their marriage. I still remember that, she said, and what I saw is there is a wound in her heart. So it it creates a foundation that's a little fractured. And this isn't to cast shame or blame, but it's to show the discovery of what Christ loves to do. Because here's a couple that in their 20s said, even with this brokenness of the past, they made a commitment to follow Jesus in their marriage. And this was a wonderful wedding. And the beauty of this is that her mom and a dad reconciled. They repaired their marriage. And they were a flourishing couple following Jesus Christ because they made a second half of life decision to say, although we've had a broken foundation in the beginning, we're going to start fresh and new. And they did. So her parents and their marriage and the groom's parents, it was a beautiful wedding of Christian committed couples saying, we're going to follow Jesus. And so they began to lay a new foundation for them. And now the grandchildren have come into this world. And there's a new foundation for them as well. So all that to say that in this early years of Moses, There's brokenness there. Moses in his first attempt to follow God goes out and kills someone and thinks he's going to be the great leader and they reject him. That's not in this passage, but it is in Exodus. And so there are those broken conditions that we will go through. But God is in the business of restoring and healing and and making things right when we walk by faith in his grace and his power and his blessing in our lives. We see it countless times over and over for those that make a decision to choose to say, Lord, I'm going to follow Jesus. There are many pleasures out there of sin, but I'm going to follow Jesus instead. I'm going to build a foundation for my life and those that are in my life so that we can grow in the way you want us to grow. So his foundation was in the family. His decision as an adult was to be committed to Jesus Christ even though Jesus is not there in Exodus, but Jesus was there in reality. And then we see that's a faith that, that God loves to mature. I read just this morning someone that said, God is not so much interested in our professing faith as He is in our maturing faith. God is not so much interested in a professing faith as He is in a maturing faith. And what Moses is now to enter into is a maturing faith. God says, you've made a decision to follow me. Is his life going to be full of luxury and pleasure and and good palaces in which he's going to live? No, he gave up all of that. This is not a passage for the health wealth gospel. This is a passage for those who really want to grow before the Lord and have their faith blossom and mature and bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And that's what Moses did. I remember 22 years ago, I planted these trees in our front yard. And uh, I remember 22 years ago, when I planted those trees, you know, pastors are always looking for illustrations for messages. And so I planted those trees myself, and they were just little tiny twigs at the time, uh, maybe barely taller than I am. And I remember the, the gardener that, sold me the trees and told me how I should plant it and the fertilizer and all that stuff. He says, make sure you dig a big hole and then fill it up with all this other healthy stuff that helps the trees to grow and then put a stake in there. But he says, one thing you should not do, you should not make that stake and those little green things you wrap around the tree and the stake, don't make it too tight. Leave it a little loose. It'll look a little wobbly. But that's important because when that wind blows and those Santa Ana winds blow, boy, they blow right through our house. That tree's gonna wobble and you're gonna think, I should tighten it up. No, because the more that tree experiences the storm of that wind and wiggles back and forth, the stronger those roots become as they penetrate that rich soil that you put in underneath them. So that when they get as tall as they are here, he would have said, they are stronger than ever because they withstood that storm because you allowed their roots to grow deep and hold on to the earth that is underneath them. And I think that illustration here, 22 years later, is still appropriate because God allows us to go through these winds that we don't particularly like here in the year 2020, whether they're political winds, whether they're health winds, their financial winds that are blowing against us and creating this, this havoc, the social isolation winds of those who are confined to facilities and family cannot see them. These are devastating things. But when our roots of faith are deep in the Lord, he says, I, I will hold you firm through those experiences. And notice some of the things that this passage tells us about Moses and how his faith matured. Well, number one, he is he endured by keeping his eyes on Christ. Not his enemy, not his circumstances. This passage tells us that. By faith he left Egypt as they left after the, the ten plagues and Pharaoh and all that. Not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who was unseen. How did he endure? By seeing him. In the NASB, it capitalizes that, that word, H-I-M. Who is the him, the antecedent? It is Jesus Christ. It is God the Father. He had his eyes not on Pharaoh. He had his eyes not on the plagues. His eyes not on the people, but he had his eyes on God that God was going to get him through this. So he endures. So much about the Christian life is enduring. So much in the book of Hebrews is about perseverance and enduring. It's not always about enjoying, but it is a lot of it about enduring. The second thing I noticed that helps to mature his faith is that he obeyed the commands of God. God laid down a command after the the tenth plague comes up and he says, one of the things I want you to do is to create a new religious behavior. And we call it the Passover. As the angel of death will pass over your home if you apply the blood. And when that blood is applied, then death goes by you and you live. Well, that's what Moses obeyed. By faith, he kept the Passover. He had faith that although the angel of death was going to come, he had faith that the blood would keep him alive. And the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. And you know today we live by faith in the blood of Christ. He celebrated that Passover days before his own death so that his blood could be our Passover, the Passover of death over us so that we could have new life. But we keep those commands. We keep obedience to him. We don't rebel in frustration but we obey in faith. That, God, you told me to do this, I'm going to do it. It doesn't always make sense. I don't always understand it. But, God, I'm going to trust you. So he endures through the sufferings by keeping his eyes on God. He endures through this turbulent time by keeping his obedience to God. And then finally, he believes in God's power when obstacles appeared. So he runs on all the millions of Jews, it might have been two million Jewish people that were leaving Egypt at that time and God had actually given them some of the goods of the Egyptian people to fund this trip. But they go in the wilderness and they wander around, they don't know where they're going. They seem lost and Pharaoh says, this is my chance to attack them. So Pharaoh comes chasing after them and they, they try to get away and they come to the Red Sea. There's no place for them to go. So by faith though, God says, you will pass through that Red Sea. I know it's impossible, but Moses, he holds it up, the seas part, and they go through on dry land as though they were passing through dry land and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. And Exodus 14 is a beautiful portrait of that. Let me just dip into that passage for a moment to show some of the ways that God does this work today even. So we see in Exodus chapter 14, we don't have time to look into it. I encourage you to read through the passage. It's incredible how God honors the faith of Moses to get them through this place. Well, there's three ways that God tested them at that time, parallels to what Hebrews 11 says. And the first in more of a practical application is that sometimes God allows what I would call difficult people. Pharaoh is much more than that. But difficult people come into our lives that make life very disruptive, that hold us back, that control our freedom, To be able to practice our faith. There are things that people are doing even today that controls our behavior. And it frustrates us. But more than that, there are people that are difficult sometimes that we we think we can count on. What's interesting, I didn't put it on the slide, but not only Pharaoh, but it was the Jewish people themselves who said, Moses, we want to fire you. (laughs) We're not happy with how you're leading us. They said, we want to go back to Egypt. We want to return to the, sort of the making of bricks and this drudgery of life under the control of Pharaoh. And sometimes it's the people that you think you can count on the most that undermine you the most. And that's painful. So sometimes God allows the difficult people that really frustrate our lives. Sometimes God allows impossible circumstances like the Red Sea there seems like there is no way out of this. And and there's a barrier between where I am and where I want to go. I remember early on when I was first here uh, many years ago, I feel like I'm talking like an old person now. But I remember years ago, uh, I was sitting down with uh, our controller, the the man who was running sort of the uh, finances and the financial facilities of our church family. And he told me, Bill told me, Dave, now here's the deal. We've got all these bonds that have to be paid for because we had financed this building. And so we're going to pay those bonds first. And if we have any money left over, then we'll give you a paycheck. And so if there's no money left over, you're just going to have to suck it up. He didn't say that, but that's kind of the implication. I said, oh, well, that's fascinating. Here I am like one month into the job and didn't know about that. And so there are these circumstances that come along. And so you pray, God, help us. You know, I, I've, got a, uh, I've got a family to support. You know, do I need to go work at, uh, you know, Home Depot? What, what's gonna happen? And so it's interesting that as we prayed about that in the course of that year, someone came forward and said, you know what? I, I hear you have some bonds that need to be paid off. Well, yes we do. Well, I'm going to write a check to cover the payment for all the remaining bonds, and it was somewhere between $500,000, $600,000. So I sat there, I'd never seen someone write a check for that amount of money. I didn't know if there'd be enough room for all those digits, but somehow it fit. And I'm thankful for it, and I'm thankful for that family that made that possible. And suddenly we were freed up. We were not paying $500,000 for this building anymore, but now that ministry That money could go into ministry that we then had this sort of this this plan. If we had another $500,000, where would we invest that? It's not like we're a bank where we're going to store it away. We want to invest it in ministry. And we began to think and dream of what God would do. But I think about that. When God has impossible circumstances, God loves to keep us back, the barrier, the water, and then say, God, I've got no place to go but you. And God provides And then there's discouraged hearts. The people, if you read Exodus chapter 14, you will see that they were crying out and they were living in fear. And a lot of us live in fear these days. Fear of COVID. We can't be with our family. We're we're supposed to only be with our family on Thanksgiving Day for two hours. You know, these things that constantly sort of create anxiety and fear about the conditions of our world, And, and these are small things in comparison to a lot of what Moses and the ending chapter of Hebrews 11 experienced, but there are things that cause us fear. And so these are the conditions that we go through of difficult people and impossible circumstances and and really discouraged hearts. And God knows that. So he brought these people to that point so that he could help them mature in their faith. And it doesn't always seem like it's a maturing thing. It feels almost like sort of a mean thing. But out of that comes this blossom of great faith. And now we're reading about Moses today because he was the one who expressed the faith in those times. He didn't quit. He didn't bail. There were times when he was really frustrated with God. There was people who wanted him to to fail. They wanted him to be fired, the, the Jewish people that followed him. It was not an easy time in which Moses lived. But here we are, thousands of years later. We're talking about Moses not about failures, but about his faith. Because God honors those who live by faith, to look to the one who is unseen, to look beyond the circumstances, to see a God who cares and he'll get us through it. So I love what God told Moses to tell the people in this closing verse in Exodus 14, 13. As the people are whining and complaining, we need to be careful. Whether the political things, the election, the COVID, and the rules, and Governor Newsom, and all these things that can be so frustrating, you just want to complain. I don't want to be one of them that were there in Exodus 14, just griping and complaining. I want to be one that understands what Moses says here. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, and he will accomplish for you, which he will accomplish for you. And he did. And the beauty of Moses' faith is that he doesn't always see it immediately. Moses didn't get to go into the Promised Land because he still had another momentary lapse. But God is so gracious that here we are honoring Moses with that wonderful faith. And he stood by, he did not fear, and they saw the salvation of the Lord. And you and I, we can live that same way as well. And the last portion of this Hebrews 11 is this, without going into it, they went into the promised land, Rahab the harlot, that's very unfortunate that she's always kind of Rahab the harlot, that's not her last name, but unfortunately that's the way we often will see her positioned and yet she was a woman of great faith. And she is now in the line of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. God honors these people of faith. And so therefore her faith, our faith will be rewarded with, in our day, a promised land. And that is the heavenly kingdom. Our eyes and our vision and our faith rest not in the temporal things of this world or the people of this world or the rulers of this world. Our faith, like Moses' faith, it rests in somebody greater, Jesus Christ. God's power. God's power. God's strength, that God gets us through this. And we do not fear and we stand by and we see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for us. Last week I saw a wonderful video that maybe helps illustrate this in more vivid ways of the tragedies that God will bring us through but we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. And the story of Greg Laurie as he reflects about the loss of his own years son years
1: ago i heard the news that no father ever wants to hear i was told that my son had died in an automobile accident i was never able to say goodbye to him this is a photograph of christopher in israel and that's his little daughter stella and they were we were praying and look at her little hands folded it's so sweet but uh, when you hear news like this it's i can't even describe to you what it feels like you know it's interesting We have names for people who've lost loved ones. For instance, if you're a wife who loses your husband, you're a widow. If you're a husband who loses a wife, you're a widower. If you're a child who loses your parents, you're an orphan. What are you if you're a parent who loses a child? It's interesting. There's no expression or description, maybe because it's basically unthinkable. We all know that our grandparents will pass into eternity before us. We know that our parents will. We might even think about how our spouse might precede us to heaven, but we never think about our children. I was not able to see my son afterwards. I was actually told he was unviewable, which was devastating. He died in an automobile accident. I was given a little plastic bag with his belongings. It was his wallet, his wedding ring, his car keys, and a watch. And this watch I gave to him. Uh, a couple of years before that. And on the back of the watch, I inscribed Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You know what that says, right? God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Here I am holding this watch, and, and I was thinking, well, where, where's the future and the hope? He was only 33 years old. Is the Bible wrong? No, because the ultimate future and hope of the Christian is Heaven. You know, we think of that sometimes in the here and now. Well, I hope I get this job or I hope uh, I meet that girl or I hope this happens and we put it all in temporal things. But the ultimate future and hope that God promises is the hope of heaven. Look, you don't ever get over something like this, but you do get through it. And I bring it up time to time so I can bring encouragement to others because I hear from people who've lost loved ones. In fact, when I, I post this, There will be a lot of comments, and if you read them, you'll read heartbreaking stories of people who've lost children and lost other loved ones, and I say this because I want to say to them, you're going to get through this if you hang on to Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can get you through a tragedy of this kind. He's done that for me, and I know that He'll do it for you. We all as Christians have that future and hope. Let's hang on to it.
0: Well, I love, I love that story. I love Greg Laurie and appreciate his heart. I've never been through something that he has been through. But I thought it would be helpful for all of us to hear a story of real suffering, of real hardship, and yet keeping his eyes on Jesus. That's what I love about that. That's what Moses was doing. He kept his eyes on him who, who he could not see. And so as you and I go through whatever experiences of life this week, this Thanksgiving, the holiday season, the coworkers, the classmates, the friends, the neighbors, the family members we gather with, that we would be like Moses, keeping our faith on the one who watches over us, to do not fear, to stand by and watch God accomplish his salvation through us if you've never believed in Jesus, maybe today is the day you start that journey of faith and begin that foundation of faith and watch that faith prosper and grow as God blesses you through this time. Let me pray for us. Father God, I pray that you would help us as your people and those who have yet to make a decision to become a follower of Jesus, that you would help us to be followers of him, That as we go through the storms that blow through our lives, uh, the chaos of this 2020 year, and the personal struggles that many of us, I know, are experiencing. But that, God, that our faith would be deeply rooted in you. That, like Moses, we would have our eyes set on you, not on those things that frustrate us. Not the Red Sea, not the Pharaoh, not the discouraged people, but our eyes and our faith resting in you. And help us work through those times of testing. That we would see that you're the God that we stand by. And your salvation will be accomplished to us. We thank you for it. As I pray it now in Jesus' name, amen.